That's right. we in season two I guess I took a little hiatus because my microphone broke so now I'm trying to use the cell phone to see if I can rock with this for a little while but I'm not too confident so we'll we'll see how this works out and if I can make this work until I get my new mic in the mail and depending on how it works out with the company I was messing with I'll talk about them in a good or bad light Hopefully they get a, the blessing of doing right by me or they can get all the slander I can provide. And then I can mask it and say I was doing a review so they can't try to come after the kid. I'm not too clear on the laws on that, so let me stop lying. But if they do fuck me over, I will trash them. And yeah, that's what's going to have to happen because I look forward to being a loyal customer when I, when I purchase shit. I don't know anybody who purchases anything with the idea of, you know, not enjoying it. So I want to either shine some light on them, whether it be good or bad. But either they're going to give me my shit and do right by me. Or we're going to have a problem and I'm going to talk some shit about them. But anyway, no playing this ride, man. Still blackout. Still trying to do my, my thug thizzle, my podcast thug thizzle. Hitting you with this shit while I'm driving. And I know I... For anybody who's listening to this, you know, on a regular basis, man, I, I know I sound down right now. And it's because the lack of real microphone is actually really killing my motivation to do this shit. I'm having to do it a new way. I don't feel comfortable with it. I gotta keep my head on the swivel while I'm trying to record. And the shit just doesn't seem to fit what I normally do. So it's real awkward for me. And plus, I'm like a week or so behind. So I'm trying to make sure I get the stories that I wanted to get out before without skipping nothing. So when you hear all this, these podcasts, even if I, even if this one don't work, even if I don't put this one out, whenever I get back to getting it cracking, it's going to be behind. Or I might just do like one big one and catch up with all the important shit. All right, so a couple weeks ago, I was scouring through the news and I've, came across some, you know, semi-crazy, well, this is real crazy to me, but it may not be crazy to you depending on where you come from and what you experience. So I'm looking on, I think it was either the BBC website, and that's news for, you know, you nasty folks out there. That's like the world news out of Britain. But it's either the BBC or CNN website, news website, to clarify that I was looking on, and I came across a story about a woman who was found in the wall. Now, it was the her skeleton, if we could be clear. So apparently she had been there for a long time. And they, I guess the guy, what happened? The guy was trying to sell the house or buy, somebody was trying to buy the house. And when they went looking for it, I guess they found a hole. It may be like the ceiling or, some, or somewhere where she fell through. And she got stuck in between the walls. She died then. It's crazy. And I mean, that's, it's a sad way to go. And I'm, 
even though I'm pretty sure our family is happy to have closure now. Who wants to go out like that? Being stuck in the damn wall. That means you probably starved to death, pissed shit on yourself the whole time you went there. Only for somebody to find your remains years later. It's, that just sucks. I, there's no way else to say it. That's a pretty bad way to go out in life. And then under that, there was a similar story about a, a shallow grave somebody found. So there's a guy who bought a house in uh, Sacramento. And I don't know what they were doing in the backyard. Maybe they were digging for a pool. Maybe his intent was to, you know, drop a pool in there and then flip the house on some HGTV type stuff. But they were digging somehow, some way, and they ended up finding a shallow grave with a corpse in. And I think they were, they're still digging to see more. I don't think they found anything else, but they had to be a shock to that man. It, it just goes to show you, you never know what's going on in your old neighborhood. It's just like when they had that crazy black dude who was screaming dead giveaway, how they had that those uh, girls trapped in that house, or even the people I talked about like a week or so ago or two weeks ago, that crazy-ass Turpin family, how they had all them kids stuck in the house, and it was 13 of them, seven of them were grown, and people didn't know. They had no clue that these kids were stuck in, that crib, in the house like that. It shows that there's like almost no limit to the extremes people will go to treat their children badly and that's unfortunate it's, it's really unfortunate that people would do their own flesh and blood their own flesh and blood like that I don't get the purpose behind it there's got to be something going on with them and the thing about it is for me I just have a hard time feeling like you just get to that point to me, there's some unresolved issue you had to make you treat another human being like that, especially if you know they're flesh of your flesh, blood of your blood. How could you do that? There's no real end game for them other than them being, them having their whole life ruined. That's it. Even if they get free, their whole life will be ruined. You got these creepy ass men have sex and have children with their own daughters or stepdaughters and shit like that and just they keep them in the house the whole time you're, you're robbing that person of their innocence and their I mean their life because I mean what do they I'm, I'm not going to say they don't have anything to live for but now they'll be forever stuck with that trauma that you created for, for one reason and that's why I don't understand sexual assault it's a pointless crime sexual assault never needs to happen there is never a reason in the world to sexually assault somebody. There's, there's no explaining it. And I'm not talking about like sexual misconduct because I feel with the with you know with the Me Too movement, Times Up and all that, you know, power to the people who've actually been affected by that and whoever, you know, a real case. But I feel like the two are being I mean, all of them being mashed together. Like, you you don't want to be on this, you know, this uh, Me Too list, the roster of people who offended people, who have offenses towards people. If you was like, hey, you look in that dress, that's not the same as somebody grabbing your ass. That's not the same as somebody raping you. There's a difference. 
the whole like, like, but the thing is there never there's never any reason for it. Even if you give a like you giving a compliment is one thing, hey, you look nice. That's cool. But there's never a reason to grab somebody's ass. Ever. Like unless it's like your significant y'all doing whatever, but yeah, I know when I was younger it was just seen as part of the flirting process and letting the girl know you're interested or whatever, but now that ain't the case. Now the little the little guys in school that's trying to tell the girl, hey, I like you, what's up? They going if they weren't already, they really about to start getting jammed up now because that's just gonna be seen as way less exceptional. Way less acceptable than it was when I was a kid. And it's not I'm not saying that it's a crime that that's happening, but now it's a crime that people are doing it. When before we just we just looked at it, that's just what kids do. That's what young people do. But it's a it's a shock to the culture, and it's good. And just like that crime, there's no reason to. I I just can't foresee a reason, or I don't even want to understand the reason why somebody would treat their children like that, keeping them in the house, depriving them of life. If it's if there's some cultural background to it that I'm not aware of, where everybody when nobody goes out and does anything, we all stay within the confines. If that's what y'all doing, okay, whatever, that's weird. But if you're out and about in the world and you're leaving your kids just in the house chained up and shit while you go out and experience all the all the great things in life, that's fucked up. If you guys want a compound somewhere and everybody's living life, people get to move around, they get to experience things, okay. It's weird. I disagree with it, but they're not chained up anywhere. You're keeping kids in the house and locking people up to me. You got people getting buried in shallow graves. We live in a crazy world. For all the shit that's going on right now, worse shit keeps on happening. It just keeps it more worse. Bad things just keep coming to light. I'll say that. You find out that we've reached new depths in the human population. And it's I won't even say it's new. I'll just I'll say newly documented depths of the human the human animal. The lows and the valleys that we steep to surprise me. And they shouldn't, because things like this happen. It just doesn't go as reported. You would have to get on or you would have to watch something like Unsolved Hist- Unsolved Mysteries, the thing that used to come on in the 90s. I think I'll say late 80s, late 80s, early 90s when I was a kid with the scary-ass music. You'd have to watch something like that to even hear about things like this. But, you know, good. Old, I guess that's one good thing the media does is get stories like this out. And I don't know if I'm part of the media. I guess, maybe, I don't know. I'm just a black dude talking into a microphone. I don't consider myself that. And I won't until I get paid, player. Until I get paid. Well, that's a couple of things I wanted to talk to you guys about or express to you guys. Like, this the shit that's happening in the world, right? Crazy. Weird. What else did I want to talk to you guys about? Oh, uh, Jay-Z, the guy, was on Van Jones' show recently. And it's, you know, it's a... It's in the circle of interviews he's done recently. I won't say a circle, but he's been on, I guess, like a media tour lately, which which is kind of surprising to me 
because there's really I, I'm not going to say there's no reason for him to do it because I like to see when people at the top of the game and people who have transcended, you know, their industry, their genre, whatever, I like to see when they, you know, give interviews, especially somebody that's more on the private side like Jay-Z, despite, you know, all the info he gave on his last album, he's more of a private person. He doesn't put all his, his business out in the street. And what he did on this last album, I guess, was more therapeutic for him. That's what I can get from the interview. And just for the overall, you know, tone of the album, how you got to, how he was saying you have to address it in order to get past it. It has to be addressed. And this may help somebody else out in their, you know, in their life or whatever. And I, I think that was brave of him to do because he knows there's going to be a bunch of scrutiny he's going to face. He knows the type of, pressure that's going to put on his household now that their business is out and I think it was the right thing for him to do to let his wife go first and then for him to follow after I think it's better that they didn't do the album together the way it came out I think was best for the both of them so it's not like a shock like she drops the album and people got time to talk about it and they got time to absorb it like damn that's what happened and he basically came and confirmed it. But in the way that we wrapped this up. Because when she did it, it was like ripping the bandit off a wound. You just didn't expect it. You just ripped the bandit off, stab came off. It was like, oh shit, that's what happened. And he, you know, even though I didn't listen to it, I heard about what she was talking about. I was just like, damn, that's crazy. And what his album did was kind of sum up the whole situation and how they were able to work on it and how they're moving past it. Because I don't think like, I don't think you just get past something like that. I think it's going to be like a work in progress every day to move on and move forward. And if that's what they decided to do, you know, more power to them. I think that was great. And I'm, I'm so glad that Van Jones has this show. Now, given this on a Saturday, it's not, you know, the, uh, you know, the middle, the, you know, the weekly show when you get all the views or all the things that happen during the week. And maybe that's to his benefit because he's going to get his fan base that wants to tune in at that time. And I don't think it comes on at 6. I'm on the West Coast, so it may come on at 9 on Saturday nights. I just know it's sometime in the evening or afternoon when it comes on. And that may be the best time for him to get his audience. He may have other stuff going on. And it's probably the best way for them to rate the show and see how it does before they move it to a different time slot. Hopefully it works out for him. Hopefully he has more guests like that on. Hopefully Jay-Z comes back. But I think it's I think it's a great move for him in his career and what he's been doing and what he brings to the table as somebody who's been heavily involved in politics. He has that perspective of somebody who's actually been in been in there versus somebody who's been sitting on the sideline all the time just watching it. That man's been in the game, so I can appreciate them giving him a show. My one my one issue with it is, and it's not even with his show, it's just that and it may be that we, the balance, you know, you need balance in, in the, I guess, the, any community, the black community, everybody can't be the same. But I would like to see Mr. Van Jones with, I don't want to, I guess I'll say some Angela Rye. How Angela Rye is, uh, it's like she don't wait. 
And I guess I should appreciate the fact that he's more calm. And his, you know, his, when he delivers, I think he's more calm. Angela, Angela, Angela don't play. When she get mad or she, I ain't gonna say when she gets mad. When somebody says something that's wrong, she don't fuck around with it. She goes, boom. And she gonna talk that shit. Angela Rye gonna talk that shit. As soon as, as soon as something goes left, she's like, nope, I'm shutting this shit down right now. I'm gonna be heard. And I'm gonna say what the fuck I got to say. And you're not gonna silence me. Which is cool. And I think as a woman, she has that kind of true her advantage because Van Jones may be seen as, oh, I'm the, the minute he does that, maybe he's the angry black guy all of a sudden. And I can understand that dynamic. You want to be able to stay in that position so you can keep blazing that trail and keep blazing that path for anybody else who may want to come after him. So I get that point. But I would like to see him uh, speak up a little more. I think it's, it's one, I think it's former, I think he's a Republican, former senator. And he worked on um, Trump's campaign. I don't want to say it's Santorum, but there's always one guy he's next to who likes to try to talk over him. And that guy pisses me. Like that's the that's the guy I want to punch in the face. But you know that's 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 just that's the street guy. I mean, but I would love to see Van Jones. You know, check him uh, just a solid time. He did it. He did it before, like right after the election. But he didn't do it in the way that I like. That maybe that's just you know that's just the Duval County in me. He basically told the dude he was being a bad person, but I rather would have, he would have told, hey, bro, you need to chill. I understand you're trying to get your, your shit off, but I, I'm I'm, a check, I'm a checking you right now on live TV. That That's just me, and that's why I don't have that job. Maybe I uh, can't handle that type of pressure, but I would have liked to see him check, check homie like that, just to make sure that he, um, he knows, like, you're not going to talk over me and I'm trying to prove my point because you're trying to push your agenda. And, uh, yeah, that that would have made me smile, but it's all good. Van Jones, hopefully, he keeps the doing he keeps on doing this thing, man. I want to see him progress and get a uh, a weekday show if he has the time. Maybe I'm just not checking for it enough, but we'll we'll see what goes happens with that. Also, the State of the Union happened in between my mic breaking and me being sad and depressed. And I think uh, the press. I think he did a good job doing what he was good at, giving the address, which means he said a lot of, he spoke a lot of big words. And I don't mean big words as in he spoke in a lot of complicated sentences, but he, he spoke on a grand scale, like, we're going to do this. We're going to improve. It's going to be better. You better believe it. We're going to be the best at everything. He did his little, he did his Trump thing. And people were like, oh, yeah, he did a great job. It was cool. He did well for him. It was like the kindergartner who colors in the lines that day or the kindergartner that that finger paints and doesn't make a mess that day. He did well for what his level is. Like, oh, okay, you, you didn't throw the snack pack at the wall today. Johnny had a good job. He only shit his pants once in daycare. <laughs> he he's, he's improving. He's on the upswing. He, didn't, he only shit his pants once, and he wrote a whole sentence. That's how I look at that. A lot of big fluffy words thrown out there about what we're going to do, about how the nation's going to move forward, but no policy. A lot of numbers that are resulting from the leftover presidency, because you know how it is. Anything that's bad, that's left over while Obama was in office, they're going to run with, oh, this is because of Obama for the next three or four years. 
but anything good is going to be attributed to Trump, right? Except for the stock market taking the shit this week. I haven't been looking at the news, but we'll see what the spin is on that. I look forward to seeing how that's going to go. Because anytime something bad happens, I turn to Fox News to see if they're talking about it. And a lot of times they're not. And I turn to CNN, they're all over that shit. So if it happens bad on the left, I turn to CNN, they may downplay it, but to talk about it, I turn to Fox News, that's on every show they have on that day. They going off about it. And that just shows you the, the way the media programs right and left. And I don't know if there's a true, a true neutral news channel. I'm trying to find it. But I kind of like seeing the war between the personalities on uh, TV. Because you have you have Don uh, Lemon who comes on on CNN. You got the Laura Ingham who comes on Fox News. You have uh, Tucker Carlson, like the replacement for Bill O'Reilly on Fox News. Then you have, uh, I, I want to say his first name's Dan, but you got Como who comes on CNN. And then there's the, I forgot, I can't believe I've forgotten the guy's name. I think it's Jake something. But he also comes on CNN, and then you got that piece of shit, Sean Hannity. That's just how I feel. But, I, I mean, that's the balance. You got to look at both. You know, no matter what side you're on, I feel like you got to look at both just to see just to see what the opposition is doing. No matter what side you're on. I, and I obviously, I, I swing more with, you know, the, with the Democratic side of things on the left just because my thing is the people. How do people present themselves? Do you sound like a piece of shit when you talk? Like you're trying to berate somebody like an angry asshole? Do you sound like that when you talk? If not, then I can rock with you. I can deal with you. On the on the right, they sound they sound semi-racist, if not 100% racist. They demean parts of my culture that I love. They disrespect people that are big and in our community. And I I you know I always say I, I can't stand next to something like that. I can't be this bootlegging Negro that puts myself next to somebody like that. I, I just can't do it. So I really don't fuck with the product that Fox News is putting out. If there's a policy that, that's cons- that, that's uh, conservative in its origin that I agree with, then, I'll, and I, then I agree with it. But more than likely, that's not the case. More than likely, I lean towards the side of compassion, but not without thinking about the ramifications, repercussions of that shit. I understand there's things that that go along with immigration laws being fucked up. I've had my pregnant wife was hit by drunk illegals in the car. I've never forgotten that shit. And it pisses me off when I hit, like, there's a Colts player who just died because he got hit by an illegal uh, immigrant who they said was probably drunk. And I can empathize with this family because I didn't know what happened when that shit happened to my wife. I had to leave work and go to the hospital, scared out of my mind, not knowing what's going on with my old lady. So, I, I mean, I feel it. I get it. I understand. But at the same time, after hearing about that illegal shit, I live next to the border. I live like I can know shit. See Mexico from my balcony. The town I live in 
is like 98% Mexican. And being in, like, the being here where I'm at, I can't tell who's illegal, who's not. All I see is people. They just happen to be brown and speak Spanish. <laughs> They're just, there's people, like, there's Mexican people everywhere. But I don't know who's illegal, who's not. They don't look a certain way. The only way you can really tell somebody may not be legal is if they don't speak no damn English. And then you, I don't know what status they're in. And the only other way is to go shopping by the border and you see people crossing the border coming over here to shop. I mean, that's the only way I can really tell. So some of the issues they push, you know, make me angry. But one, one of the big things is I see how their agenda affects people. How successful they've been. Because it's not about them reaching a mass amount of people. It's not a, like, of course it's about them reaching a mass amount of people, but it's not about them reaching everybody. Fox News don't want to include everybody. Fox News wants that fringe. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to say fringe. But Fox News wants that, you know, those hardcore conservatives. That's their goal. That's their target. That's who they want. Because I don't see how they could put anybody on that show that wasn't going to target that demographic without them putting on the people on there they got. And I'm sorry I'm taking these long pauses in between, but I'm thinking while driving and I don't want to crash because I'm talking about some jack, some jackass on Fox News I dislike. But they really, they really go out their way to put the right people on TV. And I wonder what these these um, audition tapes look like. I think they probably try these guys out. You know, we're going to put you on the practice squad. We're going to put you on the Saturday morning show and see how many people you can offend or how many people tune in. Because that's one thing I perceive about the Fox News, the people that really watch Fox News. Like, they watch that shit every day. They tune in every day. So they may not do the big numbers that CNN does, but they they got their loyal fan base. And what I, I mean, they may not attract as many new viewers as CNN or HLN or MSB, uh, MSNBC, but they got that core demographic that probably that rural, mostly white, probably older demographic that is, that's going to tune in, has been loyal. To, the, to that format and that style of news for years because their format doesn't really change. They like the fucking New England Patriots. Somebody leave the show? Boom, they got another one. Megyn Kelly leave? She gets replaced by another blonde woman. Bill O'Reilly leaves? Replaced with another asshole. That's what they do. Meanwhile, CNN seems to be creating new shows every couple years. They got a new show. That Tucker Carlson show? That's the, that's, man, that's the fucking O'Reilly factor. That's all that is. Laura Ingram show, that's the Megan, whatever the fuck Megan Kelly show was. It's the same thing. Same thing, different person. Now, Laura Ingram may be more conservative than Megan Kelly was. And Megan Kelly still don't. I, every time I see her, I still get mad. I hope she doesn't feel like she gets a pass because she's on a. She has the Today show where she's on, Today with whatever fucking show it is. I hope she don't feel like she gets no pass. Because that stain of Fox News is still on her career. Now, I'm glad she she did what she did and, and helped get some of those guys out of there. But she ain't getting off scot-free. Not in my book. No way in hell. I still got to bang her head for that. 
because it leads to shit. And one of the things I want to talk about is that you got to pick your poison. And I, and I say that like I'm talking about everything. Like it could be with your with whatever you read, whatever you view, whatever you eat, your faith, all that. You got to pick your poison. Because I was watching an uh, interview in the Breakfast Club and a guy said something on there. I forgot his name. He said something that made a lot of sense. He said your diet is more than just what you eat. It's what you watch, it's what you read, it's what you listen to, it's what, I say it's what your, I say it's what your personal ecosystem is. If you're consistently around toxic people, it may make you a toxic person. If you're watching a conservative news, it may make you a more conservatively viewed person. Same thing on the liberal side. If you make, and if you're around nothing but religious people, you won't understand somebody that's maybe more spiritual and not religious. Or you won't understand somebody that's maybe on the fence and not sure where they want to go. If you listen to Nas, Common, and Talib Kweli all day long, you're not really going to identify with somebody who just listens to Future Amigos. You just, I guess you got to find your balance. That's what I would say. You, it's all about finding your balance. You don't want to be too closed off. And you don't want to give the impression that you're too closed off because then, like, when you speak, people are, they're not going to want to listen to you because they know you're going to automatically shit on their point of view. Automatic. And, I mean, I had that issue with some of my young guys talking about music because when I speak, I don't always clarify what I mean. And when I judge music, I may say, hey, you should listen to this. And I'm not saying it because what you, it's not always, hey, you should cut off what you're listening to completely and then go listen to this common song. I'm saying you should listen to this common song because it's more complex. It will make your mind work a little bit harder than that future song will. It's going to make you think about why did he word it that way or did I catch that line he just said? And I don't even have to always, I don't even have to use common who's more conscious. I can use Wale who's on the in-between he could do the party shit. He could do more, uh, and he could do the conscious shit, like J Cole, Kendrick, and them. He can, he can do that. He can bounce in between both worlds. But what you're going to get now, Wale song, is you're going to get your money's worth. And that's why I say, listen to like, hey, you should check out this Common. You should check out this Talib. Check out this J. Check out this Nas. You're going to get your money's worth. And I, that's real important to me. Get your money's worth when you buy this album. Don't just get somebody yelling on the song for for eight bars pretending this is 16 because they didn't throw in 30 ad-libs in between their, their little rhymes. Get your money's worth. Learn something from it. Learn something because you may not catch that jewel right now. You may catch it when you listen to the song again three years later. And I encourage those artists because I feel like they have their replay value is going to be longer. I can't... I would not expect some of the guys who's listening to these... Uh, these, these young guys with the purple, you know, the crazy hair and all that shit. They're young. They're doing their thing. I don't expect the people that are listening to that now to be able to listen to it five, ten years from now. The music I came up with, the Jay-Z's, the Nas, the Outkast, like the fucking Ghostface album, I can cut that album on right now. And the language in it 
it it still it still hits that the palate of somebody in their thirties. And I know as a um, as a hip hop fan, I grew up with it. Like I for real grew up with it as it changed and as it became more industry. I want to say when I was first listening to it, it was more it was more grassroots. And I'm I'm talking about I was sitting in my apartment with my older brother in Jacksonville, Florida, and he's playing parent just don't understand on a tape recorder. Like I was I was catching, you know, the big out in the I guess the middle of the beginning of hip hop when it was getting put on tape and I was there for the for the C D era. You know, I'm talking BMG music when Crisscross came out, where you nobody could get CDs. You had to really order them through the, the fucking the mailing service. And then when they put CDs in stores and then when the Internet came in and then, you know, to now. And some of these kids were, you know, they were born with CDs where they were there, but they were about to start phasing that out. And that's if you're born like 95, 96, when it was, you know, the Internet was starting to creep in. They were, I guess they were fine tuning the internet or whatever. And my years may be off because I'm getting older, but still, like, they were born in the CD, probably, like, the CD-only era where people were, they were starting to phase out CD, I mean, cassette decks in cars. Or if you had a cassette deck in your car, you had the CD with the thing, to, like, the tape to go in there to go with it. So by the time those kids got their own cars, they either had a CD slot or like the fucking aux cord in there. And now it's even moved on to the Bluetooth. So what I'm saying is I saw I saw the progression of it. So me seeing all that, me being from an era where there's different subgenres in rap, I have trouble now with there being four or five hot rappers and three out of those five sounding the same and the uh, the cookie cutter image these guys are put into, it just makes it just makes it weak for the generation to follow. Like when I was coming up and first listening to rap, you had southern rappers out there, you had MJG, you had Scarface, you had shit like that going on. But in that era, Jeezy wouldn't have been able to get a fucking record deal. Gucci wouldn't have been able to get a record deal. They would have had to go out to Trump. Fast forward a couple of years, and that simpler rhyme scheme was more acceptable. It's okay, it's cool. There's still some artistry to it. Once Waka Flocka and OJ the Juice Man start getting you notoriety, know, I'm looking like, man, we in trouble. Because now this shit is starting to be exciting. That little giant crunk music shit. And I'm not going. Honestly, I feel like it fucked it up. That's just me. I feel like it kind of fucked it up when it made it that acceptable because now the now all of a sudden the lyrics are too simple, right? Before rap music had you had to understand the slang to really get what was going on in the song. You couldn't just jump into a song and listen to it and be like, oh okay, I I understand that I get it. You wouldn't understand the structure of the line that's put in, like somebody may have a word in a different place than it would be in your regular speech. And you know, in our community, in the, I say black and Latino community, words sometimes have triple, double, quadruple meaning. So if you didn't, if you weren't around the culture, you wouldn't understand what that what that word meant in that song. You, 
would just be like, I, I don't know what that means. There, you would, there would be no way for you to get it. But as the music got simplified, it was it became more accessible to people, and the more accessible it became, I say the more easier to understand it became, the more marketable it became, it became and the more marketable it became, the more accessible it came to the masses. Because once you once you can attach a dollar sign to it, no white people come. I don't give a damn what industry it is. Once you can really attach a dollar sign to an industry, especially when it's in its grassroots spot, most white folks coming. Because the, the guys who are running these companies from the, from the ground up, their goal, while they're doing what they love, but they still want to make money. So they're going to, their hand is going to reach up like, hey, I can help you out with what you're doing. But you know what? In that, what they, in turn, what that does is it kind of takes the industry away from the people who are the actual creators, and that's when it gets it gets fucked up. It's like if you if you're a painter and you work on your craft and you doing your shit, if it's realistic, whatever, your lines are crispy, whatever. If it's modern or whatever genre of painting there is, once you get in there and you got your style. And you got it on lock and nobody's fucking with the elite people that are operating in that field of art you're golden what you do has a lot of value there's only a few people that can do it and only so many people on a level that's seen as elite but once somebody is able to paint a tic-tac-toe game and put it up next to the Mona Lisa. And people are like, oh, okay, that's cool. I like that. X is one. That's dope. X is one. That's tic-tac-toe. I get that. Easy. Understand it. Got it. No problem. And you know, the next guy, <laughs> he might do the tic-tac-toe circle. And there's, it's just all O's. And then the next guy, he may come along. And he may do the tic-tac-toe circle. And it's just all horizontal lines. <laughs> and when the next guy comes, and he does the tic-tac-toe painting, and it's just the vertical lines. And then it just goes to one line on the paper. And what I'm trying to say is, once you make something simple to do, you allow more people to do it, and it saturates the market. Once the tic-tac-toe drawing becomes more relevant than the Mona Lisa, their value's gone. That's that's the point I'm trying to get. Because anybody can do tic-tac-toe. Everybody can't paint that goddamn Mona Lisa. And once the art became a hustle, it fucked it up. Because the hustle became more marketable than the actual art. And when I try to explain that, I don't always go that route. And I say, hey, they simplified this music. And they push the simplified music because they don't want you to think. They don't want you to hear the political shit that's in the other music that's causing you to think. They want you to shake your ass. They don't want you to think and do mathematics that people are putting in these goddamn rhymes and shit. Or talk about spirit when they're talking about spirituality and the relationships between uh, minority men and women, black men and women, Latino men and women, and behind we should honor our households and shit. They don't want you to hear that. They want you to shoot each other, sell drugs, and shake gas. And that's what's going to be on the radio. Because anybody, everybody can identify with, you know, selling drugs, 
or I mean, using drugs, shaking your ass, and fighting, and people were getting killed. Everybody can identify with that. Not everybody can identify with black positivity and black love and one one blacks and Latinos to be able to stand up on their own too as a community and be something in this world. Everybody can't do that. Everybody can't identify with that. Nobody's going to buy that. But once people started making shit that was marketable for white folks to listen to, the game changed. And there you go. You got the music industry. They don't want you to think. That goofy motherfucker with purple hair, nine gold chains on, and a fucking rifle, that's going to be the staple of what to do. And that's going to represent our community. And that's why I get mad. So in a, in a long, drawn-out, roundabout way, I tried to, exp- to explain why I say the shit I say. And I don't know if the youngins always get that point, And it turns you off. It turns them off immediately when I say, yo, that guy's trash. And I'm saying that because I literally believe that that music is trash. And I know everything I came up on wasn't wasn't the greatest as far as, you know, people not getting killed and shit like that. I understand it. But at least there was some skill to it. They're not saying, I got purple hair, I'm going to shoot you in the mouth. There may have been some slickness to it where you have to kind of decipher it. This shit is a, it's just trash. There's nothing to it. I use drugs. I fuck bitches. Yada, yada. There's nothing to it. There's, n- there's nothing that makes you have to think. It's all I could do. I could do this in my sleep. And people form opinions. And it's the same thing. I feel like it's it's the same thing we talk about politics and all the shit that's going on with police shootings and all this other stuff that's happening. Once people feel like you're a certain way and you've been indoctrinated a certain way, they're not going to listen to you. And depending on whatever side you're on, People won't hesitate to offend. If you look at just me looking at the the comment sections on the internet with people talking, and it's all like the conservatives are these hardcore like, yeah, you fucking liberal retards are are stupid. You guys don't pay attention. You don't care about America. Fuck you guys. You should all be shot. Just shit I've read. This is not me making shit up. This is things I saw. People were like all oh, liberals. You should kill them all. All they call them libtards. You're lib. You're you know you don't know what's going on in the country. You don't like you don't like America, and the liberals on the other hand, like, hey, if you could just see where I'm coming from, understand what's going on in this country, why we shouldn't do X, Y, Z, and the conservatives don't want to hear that shit. Like they will literally say anything to make liberals mad, and that's that's where we lack balance. And personally, I I can't deal. I can look the other way with some of my conservative homies. I can look, okay, that's your opinion. Because I know when we see each other, it's, hey, man, it's a difference of opinion. It's all good. And some of those guys have had certain experiences where I expect them to feel a certain type of way. Just as they know I've had my experience, which caused me to feel a certain type of way. But one one guy, one guy said something this week that uh, that really, it got to me. And it was about Trayvon Martin. So, me being a Floridian, that Trayvon Martin shit is real personal to me. Real personal. I've seen thousands of young black men in hoodies. I've been one of those black men. And to think that that could be one of my homeboys, sons, in a few years, cousins, little brother, 
little homie, whatever. To be that that was the one that sparked the national outrage and that really got people talking. That the, And the, the thing about it that it kind of pissed me off is I wasn't home. I was in California when it happened. And that was probably the best thing for me because I'm not no criminal, no animal thug by no stretch of the imagination. I'm a regular dude. But when that shit happened, I, I just didn't care. Like, luckily, I wasn't around anybody that didn't say stupid shit. But I just didn't care. And it's, it's still a sore spot because that's that guy is me. That Trayvon Martin kid going to the corner store to get some shit, cutting through, you know, houses taking shortcuts. Wrong as it may be, there's no reason to get shot. But that's, that's what people do in Florida. So for people to hear people say or read shit people said and hear these fucking people on the news try to demonize this kid as he was crazy. If he was out there shooting people and selling drugs, I'd be like, hey, man, that kind of comes with the territory. But for somebody to get out their car and follow you on the phone with the police to blatantly dis- to blatantly disobey a police order and follow somebody, it's fight or flight. Like, he got to go home. He can't let somebody follow him home the whole time on the phone, like, he don't know who that is, he don't know who he's calling, it's like, he could be calling more people to come get me, so in order for me to get home, I gotta do what I gotta do, because I can only run so much from somebody in the fucking car, I can only run so much, I, I can only run so much, at some point, I gotta stop, and then, even if I do run home, I gotta come back here, I gotta be here, at some point, I got to come back to this place because I'm here all the time. Will I ever be able to walk these streets again without having to worry about this person following me in a car? How do I how do I live? And if you listen to this and you don't understand what this is, this is what it's like when you come up in situations where you like you face with that fight or flight. I can't run from you every day. If I'm a part of this neighborhood, this community, I'm here, I'm living here, I'm staying here, whether it's summers or whatever, I still got to be a part of this community, and I can't let you run me out of here. I got to be through here. I don't have a car to drive nowhere. The only way for me to get to the store sometimes is for me to walk, and I can't constantly be worried about you jumping out on me, especially if I don't live all the time. I don't know who you know here. So if you get on the phone and you following me, my mind is you calling somebody else to help you come get me. So... If I got to square up to get home, that's what I'm going to do. And I say that because they didn't have, if he just would have stayed in his car, it probably wouldn't have happened. Even if Trayvon approached George while he was in his car, George could probably drove off. He approached my car. I drove off. I need to come get him. That's more acceptable to me than what happened, obviously. But when my homegirl, Tori, posted, there was the... Uh, the anniversary, of his, it was his birthday. And she posted a picture. And her and this guy, Allen, got into it. And I'm just reading the comments because I know this guy. And I know he's more of the, on the conservative side. And he's, he's a guy, he's a smart guy. Maybe politically, maybe when it comes to the bit. He's a smart conservative. He knows enough to, to say things that support his viewpoint. Right, he's bullheaded and knows what he he knows what to say to support his viewpoint. But he's not smart socially. He's we've gone back and forth on the internet before, and I've seen him at work, and he had this look on his face like, man, he's about to take my lunch money. 
But I was cool. I'm like, hey, man, it's, it's like I didn't even acknowledge it. Hey, man, what's up? I didn't even acknowledge it because it's the Internet. It's not real. It's his motion over there. When he sees me, that mood's not going to be the same. The energy, the mood, whatever you want to call it, he not, it's not going to be the same. And I know that. Now, if you're going to stay moody, if you're going to stay stuck in the mood, we could do that. But if I know that that energy's not going to be the same, I'm not worried about it. But this particular day, he said something that, that caught me. And that's something, I'm, I'm glad we're not in the same space because I don't know if I could have let that roll. I'm not saying I would have did anything to him physically, but I would have had to address it. Like on site when I saw him. And what this little motherfucker said is something along the lines of he, he didn't have to attack him or whatever. He shouldn't attack him. It's like he he said he deserved every bullet he got. And me just saying that makes me mad. And the minute I read that shit, it was just rage. It was just rage. Because I really don't think white people not close to black people understand that shit. Like, if you ain't been around a bunch of black people, what I mean, if you ain't been like an athlete in high school or a part of some club around a bunch of black people who have that, I would say, yeah, I would say working class black people. If you ever been around working class black people in like a school setting, a job setting, whatever, just hanging out and just been around us, you you can't even come close to understanding what it's like to be in our space. And you'll never understand what it's like to be one of us and how that shit infuriates us and, has, and how we already feel as much as we value each other. Despite what you see on the news about the killers and shit, as, as much as we value each other, you'll never understand growing up knowing that your life is not valued as much as a white person's. You'll never understand what that feels like growing up. So, for somebody to say he deserved every bullet, who's never been in that situation in his life? You come from money, but your parents lost money because of your divorce. Boo-hoo, we don't give a fuck about your parents' divorce. I don't give a shit. You have no idea what it's like to be us, and you'll, you've probably never been in a situation like that. So, for him to say that, I wanted to put my hands on him, on everything I love. I wanted to hurt him. But I had to recognize that the internet is a safe space for people like that. So I said what I said to him via the internet, and I left it as that. And he wanted to come back and say, maybe I shouldn't have worded it that late. And my reply was, too late. He said something else I don't give a shit about, and my reply was, too late. And I don't know if he said anything after that. I went back, and this shit was gone. But at the end of the day, it's too late. You said what you said. You showed me your hand, and... I, after that, I can't, I can't get with you after that. I can't stand next to you in the space. There's no handshaking. There's no, hey man, it was just this. It's like no, like it's it's almost on sight when I see you. And I don't even like to be that type of person. But I, it's something I would definitely have to address. And. You know what? I'm going to shut this down on that because I'm, I'm getting mad. I don't know if this is going to work. One time for the iPhone for holding up and recording this shit. Hopefully I can get this to you guys if it if I can transfer somehow. But if not, this is practice for the next run. I guess it's season two because my mic broke. But whatever, man. You, you can only run so long from the shit that's in your way. At some point, you're going to have to face it.
no playing this ride. I'm blackout. Contact me at no playing this ride at gmail.com, all lowercase. Once again, no playing this ride, all lowercase at gmail.com. On Twitter, it's no play 247, capital N, lowercase o, capital P, L A Y. That's me on Twitter. You can put in no playing this ride, and it'll pop up either way. But you hit me up, check me out, let me know if you like what I'm doing. All the good stuff. Sorry for the hiatus. If this comes out, great. If not, fuck it, I'll do it again. But I like it, I love it, I'm gonna do more of it. Contact me, hit me up. Y'all be safe out in these streets. Peace.